2: We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome
1: to Spill and Dish new podcast from the Specialty Food Association. Founded in 1952, SFA is the leading trade association and source of information about the $175 billion specialty food industry. We champion the food producers, retailers, and others who make up the specialty food world. If you want to know more about membership, visit specialtyfood.com. In each episode, we want to share the stories behind the products made and sold by our members who are helping shape the future of food. You can listen and discover the inspiration, recipe, craft, culture, ingredients, and production methods that help answer the question what makes specialty food special? I'm today's host, Gretchen Van Esselsten, Director of Education and Program Development at SFA. We're excited to bring you today's episode. And so happy to be working with Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit podcast network covering the world of food, drink, and agriculture and expanding the way eaters think about food. Today's guest is Mike Noonan, Vice President of Operations at Bitchin Sauce, a family-owned and operated company in Carlsbad, California. Bitchin makes delicious, vegan, sustainable sauces that I love. Welcome to Spill and Dish, Mike!
3: Thanks for having me, Gretchen. I'm happy to be here.
1: Hooray. So let's start out with a rundown on Bitchin. Tell me about your favorite flavor and don't leave anything out. What does it taste like? What's the texture? What do you do with it? Give me the whole uh, story.
3: Man, well, I don't think most of our listeners are going to know about my favorite flavor, but it's actually chocolate. Um, yeah. it, it tastes like brownie batter, honestly. Um, I can eat an eight-ounce portion With a spoon in about 30 seconds. It's so good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how about a flavor that listeners might know a little bit more about?
3: Sure. You know, we have our core line, which is our original Chipotle and cilantro chili flavors. Um, Personally, cilantro chili is one of my favorites. Um, It has a little kick at the end and just fresh cilantro and all the other ingredients that go into it. um, Just pack a flavor punch.
1: Amazing. So just... What are you going to do with that sauce? You
3: know, I've been with the brand now for almost four years. And at first, you know, you start by just dipping uh, chips, anything that you can get your hands on. Um, After a while, I started using it as a condiment, as a spread, just replacing any other condiment for lunch. Um, And now, you know, we use it for almost just in addition to any dinner with pastas, um, anything you can really think of. It's good hot, it's good cold. Um, and it's, a, we have so many varieties of flavor that there's really endless options.
1: And I would say I definitely dip it. I spread it on sandwiches all the time. It's just, it is, it's like a, a delicious, delicious, um, I was going to say glue, but I'm not, that doesn't sound uh, appealing now, does it? So it's a, it's an enhancer to anything every, in my fridge.
3: I think enhancer is a great word for it. Yes.
1: Yeah. There you go. We'll take that glue. Yeah, we're not going to put that on the label or anything. It's not going to be the new tagline. I'll I'll work on that one. So where did the idea for the company come about? Could you tell us a little bit about the founders?
3: Sure. So Star Edwards is our founder, chairman, and CEO. Uh, She created these flavors 15 years ago when she was a teenager, uh, just exploring a new vegan way of life at that time. And she came up with this recipe. She hasn't changed it. Uh, she's really stuck to it. Um, she started selling vegan pies in our local farmer's markets here in California. And uh, the first time she went, she brought a little bit of bitchin' sauce and a lot of pies. And she sold all the and sauce and none of the pies. And then the <laughs> business was created. Um, so we've really stuck to our roots. We haven't changed anything um, flavor and quality ingredients are the key to our success, and we just keep growing.
1: And so many of our listeners out there who are getting started with their brands and specialty food are um, thinking about that path of sort of starting at farmers markets, you know, taking it on the road a little bit. At, um, what is that kind of journey like? I know you weren't with the brand at the beginning, but um, what do you know about that uh, way of getting started?
3: Yeah, I came right. I came on right as the farmers markets were ending, and our biggest customer was Costco. So a big transition of um, how we were doing things, how we were operating. You know, we had to move into a different world of rules and compliance and regulations and certifications. So, um, but what really helped us succeed was just sticking to our roots and staying very disciplined uh, with our cash flow. So we would make, we would sell, and then we'd recreate. We um, Star was really good at investing everything back into the business to get us to the point where we are.
1: So then where does Mike Noonan come into the story? Could you tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to work at Bitchin?
3: Sure, yeah. So I've been working in food production for over a decade now. Uh, started off as a production manager and I worked for some big companies. I worked for some really small, awesome companies, too. And I just found my niche in startup-type settings where um, you have very little resources, but you have a great product, and you need to get it out there. So um, you know, uh, along my career, I met Luke and Star actually at a wedding about five years ago. And there was a whole bunch of – a ton of bitchin' sauce there. And I ended up just crossing paths with them the next day, and I said, "You got a great product. If you ever need any help, please reach out." And about six months later, I moved from Colorado to California.
1: That's so cool. And did you start out with a food science background, or manufacturing, or both, or how did you get into it?
3: Yeah, I just have a I have a business degree in operations management, um, and my first job out of college was night shift at a cheese factory in Utah. So nice. you know, I just kind of jumped on my first opportunity, really embraced everything that I was doing. The company was Schreiber Foods. Um, sure. So started started off in natural cheese, moved on to different departments, just um, any training that was available. I jumped on it and it really opened a lot of doors for me. Um, after that, I moved to Boulder, Colorado and worked for Phil's Fresh Foods, which was then Evil Foods, um, making frozen burritos and entrees did that for a long time, and then I've slowly grown into where I am now. Fantastic. So for all of our listeners
1: out there, I wanted to let you know that Mike is the recipient of our SFA 2023 Leadership Award for Sustainability. Congratulations, Mike.
3: Well, thank you, Gretchen. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Could you talk a bit about the practices that make your products sustainable?
3: Sure. So I think you know, it really starts about uh, around production efficiency and understanding your product, understanding where there's opportunities to lose ingredients. Um, with Bitchin Sauce, our ingredients are by far our most expensive input that we have uh, in our operation. So, controlling those ingredients is my number one priority. Um, we have strict metrics in our business around production loss. Uh, we also use high pressure pasteurization as a kill step for our product. And there's um, there's some assumed loss that you're going to have through the HPP process as well. And I do everything I can to control that through the packaging we use, the film that we're using, um, the temperature that we're running our products, the how long we mix everything to make sure there's not going to be any residual uh, ingredients left over after mixing. And we do a really good job controlling that and staying under 3% loss uh, overall is, as a company. And that's really helped us get to where we are.
1: And HPP, it, if I understand it, that's really expensive.
3: Is, it's very expensive. A process?
1: Yes. How do you work around that?
3: Well, you know, HPP is, I don't think that bitch and sauce exists without HPP, um, without a kill step that can you know, make sure our product is safe for consumers and also gives us extended shelf life. Before HPP, you know, we had a strict 30-day shelf life on our product, and you can't get a product from California to the East Coast and have a consumer enjoy it and have a great experience without an extended shelf life, and we don't use any preservatives or anything else to extend it. So HPP is critical to our success.
1: Fantastic. What do you think? You know, taking a a step back from specifically your brand and thinking about other brands, you know, folks who might be getting into the market. What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles in bringing a sustainable brand to market?
3: That's a great question. Um, There's so many factors that go into that, and I think that the what these entrepreneurs and brand creators have is something that large brands can't create, which is something unique and something that Hasn't existed yet, and that's so. That's so important for the success of our industry. Um, but in order to scale that product and get it to the masses, you have to you have to be involved with your product from beginning to end. So I've seen a lot of products where it's a great idea, and they go to a co-manufacturer early on to make the product, and fitting into a co-manufacturer to get your product to market can be very expensive and it can be very wasteful too. Um, so then your product dies before it ever got a really good chance to get out there. So I think staying involved with the operations, being the entrepreneur until the brand is at a very good place where then you can bring in other experts to help you with your brand. But, you know, to be successful, the ones that I have seen that are successful, the, the, the Creator is there from beginning to almost the end
1: absolutely So when you and your colleagues are thinking about new flavors or even new products where do you find inspiration?
3: hmm that's a that's a really funny question I've actually been <laughs> reminiscing with star about this recently um, <laughs> we we're a little non-conventional you know we we like to come up with some ideas. We get them out there to some of our trusted retailers and customers and see if somebody's interested. And usually I'm not part of that conversation. And I just get to hear when somebody says, we're going to take it in our stores in three months and we need you to figure this out, Mike. So (laughs) you know, there's not a lot of trial and error. It's more just trial. And then when somebody likes something, we commercialize it. And it's a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. I find that to be one of the most fun, you know, walking the fancy food show or trying a product at a farmer's market and just thinking, where did you come up with that? You know, <laughs> and I have to say, even though, you know, I felt like I did my research, I did not realize that you had a, you know, chocolate brownie flavor of, of bitch sauce. So um, well, stick
3: around. We've got even more tricks up our sleeves.
1: Ah, fantastic. I love it. Um, what would you want people to know about bitch and that they might not know?
3: Hmm. Um, let's see. There's a lot of things. Honestly, let me let me start with we have a free daycare at our company. Wow. Um, I have a 4-year-old daughter and that's my favorite honestly my favorite part. Um, I get to bring her with me three or four times a week. She likes to sit in my office in the morning, help me. She tells my wife when she comes home that she helped me in the morning every day with my job. And nice. I just, I got to see her first steps when I was at work. Um, It's just, it's incredibly rewarding. And it's great to see, you know, all realms of our staff bringing in their kids and seeing the daycare grow. I think we're up over 20 kids now that could be there on a regular basis. Um, It's just so unique. It doesn't exist anywhere else. And I feel so lucky to have my daughter with me every day.
1: I, I just love that. And how do you see from those earlier days to what, you know what's coming up, how the brand has evolved? I know you're more on the operations side, but it also sounds like you're so uh, integral to the company. How do you see how things have evolved?
3: Hmm. You know, the, the evolution that I've mostly witnessed is just extreme growth. Um, when I came in, we, uh, we've, we've more than grown 5x since I've been here in four years. And to see that growth, usually that comes with a lot of change and a lot of new faces. Um, you know, our team has really stuck around and grown with the brand and grown into new positions too. Um, so to see all of our, you know, star and Luke as, um, as owners, as well as, um, Luke's brother and sister, Olivia and Harrison, who are, um, leaders in the company as well. They've They've grown into such big positions, and they've grown teams underneath them as well. Um, it's great to see that. I think with brands that grow so fast, usually there's a lot of new faces coming in for for different strategies or different things to try, and we just stick to our roots. We stick to our good product, and we just want, want it to be in every retailer uh, across the U.S. if we can.
1: And you mentioned Costco. So are you doing a different size or a different pack for something like a club store?
3: Yes, we do a twenty four ounce uh, organic Chipotle in Costco currently, cool. and we only sell that in Costco right now.
1: Fantastic! And are, do you
3: do any food service? That's a great question. I'd love to do more food service. Um, we have some alternative channels that we or alternative ways of getting our sauce out there. Uh, we have one we call a snacker which is two ounces of either our original or chipotle sauce, and then one ounce of uh, corn chips. So I think this is a really good vessel of getting our product out there to appeal to more people. Yeah. Um, and food service is a category that we are exploring that. Um, and there's other other options that we're exploring with food service too, but it's not something that we've really you know broken the ceiling on yet.
1: So interesting. Yeah, we should have a side conversation about that sometime. Mm-hmm. I have some great people I could help maybe uh, connect you with. I can imagine it would be amazing on college campuses. So many, uh, you know, my nieces are off to college and they are vegan and finding, oh man, all they're serving us is beans and rice over and over again, you know, to have something like a vegan, uh, you know, uh, meal enhancer on, on campus seems like an amazing uh, opportunity.
3: I agree with you. And I think that, you know, we have so much to offer to these campuses as well. Not only, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be through food service. It could be maybe through, you know, vending or cafes or other other areas on campuses or workspaces where people are going on a regular basis. So, yeah, we're really trying to get through to that next level, but we haven't been able to yet.
1: Fantastic. Um, we're going to head into our next segment in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to just look back to sustainability one more time because I know it is such a key part of what you do at Bitchin and Sauce and your own personal, um, you know, integrity about it. And and again, you know, the recognition of of leadership award uh, winning in that category. What do you think are some of the hallmarks of sustainability in general for products as we you know move forward into an uncertain future for the planet? What should brands be doing? What are some of those hallmarks?
3: Sure, you know if you have your own manufacturing, um, just start with your local city, your local ordinances, and where you are. Um, you know, I've had the luxury of being in great communities like Boulder, Colorado, and Carlsbad, California, and even different communities in Utah where you know recycling and composting can be much more advanced than they are in other states in the U.S. So reaching out to your local ordinances just to find out what your options are. They'll they'll have free services that can come to your facility and tell you what can stay out of the landfill, what can be composted, if that's an option. If there's commercial composting or other recyclable options out there, they can point you in the right direction. So that's really where we've started, and we're trying to divert as much as we can from our facility. Um, with co-manufacturing facilities, if you're not sourcing your own materials and you just – want to improve practices for your brand, but not tell a facility what to do, um, start with asking how raw materials are coming in. Is it in recyclable containers? Is it in containers that we can reuse and possibly do an exchange program on so we don't have to create new packaging that's gonna get destroyed out there? Um, You know, you don't have to settle. You can keep asking more questions. You can keep looking for more options on how to improve and that's what we do.
1: Fantastic. Thanks so much, Mike. So sure. we're almost out of time, but before you go, we'd love to have you participate in our final segment, which is take five. So it's five quick questions for our guests. Okay. But first let's pause for a break.
2: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese.
1: I'm Gretchen Van Esselstyn of SFA, speaking with Mike Noonan at Bitch and Sauce. Let's jump into our five questions for our final segment, Take Five. So, Mike, what is your favorite thing about the specialty food industry?
3: Hmm. Well, I'm a little newer to the specialty food industry, um, but you know what I've liked so much is, or what I've liked so far is the inclusiveness. You know, it's every brand is. Uh, welcoming to every other brand, every everybody's been so welcoming to me to just be coming to the shows and participating with the association. Um, you know, consumer product goods—they don't need to be a secret, and I think that best best practices from brands should be shared with the masses. So, um, I'm excited to be involved in that, and hopefully, I can you know share what's up in my brain with others, and it can help them be successful as well.
1: Couldn't agree more. It is such a uh, inclusive and welcoming industry. I love that about it too. Um, so what's one thing that SFA has made easier for you or your brand as a member of a
3: specialty food business? Um, finding Finding things that we need to get to the next step. So packaging, brokers, accounts, co-packers, ingredients. It's a great place to start. Uh, I'm looking forward to the show in January and being able to walk it with my team so we can find out all the new thing, new, new offerings that are out there so we can keep enhancing our brand. Excellent. So
1: if you were not doing the job that you're doing now, if you were not, say, even in the specialty food industry, what would you be doing?
3: It's really funny you asked that. I love having this conversation with my wife because... I work a lot and we're really looking forward to, you know, more balance in our lives at some point. So we like to explore all of those, all of those options of what we can do. Um, you know, if I wasn't in the food industry, I think um, working in schools, I think working with nonprofits or kids would be something that I could do. Um, maybe even in sports or coaching. Um, I just, I just really like to do something that is... Intangibly rewarding to myself and giving back and sharing things with others is always something I've seen myself doing.
1: I love that. What's one piece of advice you'd give to a new food
3: business? You have to stay disciplined. I know I'm repeating myself, but that is the one thing that can ruin your brand. You know, seeing something shiny in a new opportunity that looks like it could really help you, but it's something that's outside of your comfort zone when your brand is not ready for that, is what I've seen sync brands. Um, So stick to what your roots are, stick to what you know, stay disciplined with your accounting and your spending, and have, have a goal in mind and get to that goal, and then you can start exploring those other opportunities.
1: That is great advice. And then our final question, how do you define specialty food?
3: Hmm. That's a tough question, honestly. Um, I guess I would. When I think of specialty food, I think of new. I think of things that others haven't thought of or that the big brands haven't thought of or that grocery stores haven't thought of, you know, it's something unique. It's going to be, a new experience, um, for our consumers. And I think that's what everyone wants right now. You know, they want to know what's in their food. They want to know if it's good for you and they want these new experiences that they can tell others. So that's what I feel like the specialty food association is to me right now.
1: Fantastic. Mike, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Before we go, please
3: tell everyone where they can find you and Bitchin' Sauce. Thanks, Gretchen. This has been great. And yes, you can find Bitch and Sauce in most retailers across the U.S. Um, you know, Kroger, Albertsons, Safeway, Costco, um, Food Lion, Stop and Shop. You name it across the U.S., you should be able to find us.
1: Excellent. And how about online?
3: Online, you can find us um, Amazon. There's some other great online re- retailers that you can find us, too. And then if you cannot find a flavor and you must have it right right away bitchandsauce.com we can overnight you any flavor you want and we'd be happy to do it
1: oh fantastic all righty so you can find out more about this show at specialtyfood.com and at heritageradionetwork.org and remember to follow wherever you get your podcasts come back often to get to know the people who are shaping the future of food and if you're in the food industry consider becoming a member of sfa by visiting our membership section on SpecialtyFood.com. Special thanks to Mike Noonan at Bitchin' and Sauce and to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. This is Spill & Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast. Spill & Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast, is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at Heritage radio Network dot org slash subscribe.